welcome to You, Me and the Economy. A bitter food crisis is blazing across the world as India bans sugar exports. At the same time, the chief economic advisor downplays stagflation. What's going on? Here is your weekly roundup of economy and finance. Sugar is the latest food commodity that is under pressure as India, one of the two top producers, announced a restriction on exports effective for five months from June 1st. This means that export of sugar is allowed only with specific permission from the Directorate of Sugar. The move comes with the fear of rising food inflation. Apprehensive of the rising prices of food staples, India has already applied a ban on wheat exports. Blockage of trade routes owing to the Ukraine war and the use of Brazilian sugar to produce ethanol are additional drivers of the global crisis. India's export curbs on the staple agriculture products like wheat and sugar expose the fragility of claims by the Prime Minister made two months ago that India could provide food security to the world. In addition, India's reputation as a responsible trade partner stands undermined. In fact, India's latest curbs are part of a global move towards export restrictions. Countries around the world have enacted a wave of export curbs on food since the start of the Ukraine war. Economists say that this is a trend that might aggravate shortages and global food price inflation. Amidst these fears, the chief economic advisor has downplayed the risk of stagflation. The National Statistical Office revised its year-on-year GDP growth forecast to 8.7% on 31st May, marginally down from 8.9% as it was estimated in February this year. This came on the heels of a slowing down of the economy in Jan to March to 4.1%, partly owing to the Omicron wave. The chief economic advisor V. Ananta Nageshwaran believes that the growth momentum of the economy is intact, despite external uncertainties like the Ukraine war. He said that though inflation will remain an issue given the crude oil prices, the risk of stagflation he maintained is quite low for India compared to the rest of the world. Economists like Professor Arun Kumar would, however, differ from such a conclusion. In his opinion, we are still far from the pre-pandemic levels and if the pandemic had not struck, we would have been at a higher level by about 8% from the 2019-20 level. This indicates stagflation, which combined with heightened inflation is only suggestive of the worrying stagflation. This, he says, has serious implications for the economy, especially for the poor and vulnerable. For them, a reduction in the rate of inflation is not enough given their stagnant or declining incomes, says Professor Arun Kumar. Moreover, unlike what is presumed by the government, the inflation menace is not a result of external factors alone. It is as much a result of decimation of the small and micro sector, which in turn has given large pricing powers to the corporates. Hence, belated measures adopted by the RBI alone may not be adequate and can in fact worsen stagflation. Arun Kumar suggests a more active role of the government to revive the small and micro sector and increase in direct taxation as some corrective measures. At the same time, while the mainstream media covers the turmoil in Sri Lanka as something that is unfolding on a day-to-day basis, what is lost out is the long-term trajectories that have precipitated the crisis. While the immediate reasons certainly lie in the pandemic affecting the tourism sector or the more recent Ukraine war, the crisis as we know it was long in the making. It can be traced back to the IMF diktats that made Sri Lanka more dependent on foreign aid, 
while it cut down on subsidies, wages and social sector spending. We at the Centre for Financial Accountability organised a discussion to understand some of these issues. Moderated by Professor Neera Chandok, on the 27th of April 2022, Professor R. Ramakumar and Professor Howard Nicholas threw light on the long-term trajectories that precipitated the crisis, allowing us to draw lessons that are also relevant to India. Among other things, the experts busted the myth of the Chinese debt trap and attributed the situation in Sri Lanka to four major reasons, namely the long shadow of a colonial legacy and its inability to diversify its economy acute trade imbalance, recurrent IMF loans and their neoliberal policy prescriptions, and exposure to international sovereign bonds. We have come out with an event report that summarizes the discussion. The link of the same is in the description. At the same time, the effects of the war are being witnessed all over the world and more so in Egypt. Ukraine is one of the largest exporters of wheat and sunflower oil, staples in Egypt. And Egypt, conversely, is the largest importer of wheat. Almost 90% of its wheat comes from Russia and Ukraine. The Egyptian economy is also reliant on foreign investment, also negatively affected by the Russian invasion. As a result, an existing economic crisis has been exacerbated. Inflation is up like in many parts of the world. But in Egypt, it is the grain prices that have gone up the notches. Basic consumer goods like bread are scarce and expensive. The war has also jeopardized these investments. As the Financial Times reports, emerging markets have been hit by the worst sell-off in decades. Emerging market bonds are suffering their worst losses in almost three decades, hit by rising global interest rates, slowing growth and the war in Ukraine. Developing economies were hit hard by the coronavirus pandemic. Rising inflation, slowing global growth, and the geopolitical and financial disruption caused by Russia's war in Ukraine have added to the economic pressure they face. The investment outflows threaten to worsen their woes by tightening liquidity. Egypt, among others, is simply becoming a case in point. On the other hand, oil and gas giants are failing humanity. Oil Change International, an organization working to expose the true cost of fossil fuels, has released a report titled Big Oil Reality Check. The report has analyzed climate pledges of eight oil and gas giants, BP, Chevron, Eni, Equiner, ExxonMobil, Repsol, Shell, and Total Energies against 10 minimum benchmarks for alignment with the 1.5 degrees Celsius temperature goal outlined in the Paris Agreement. The analysis revealed that these eight companies are involved in over 200 expansion projects from 2022 to 2025. And these new expansion projects alone will have emission equivalent to lifetime emissions of 77 new coal-based power plants. None of the eight companies pass the baseline tests which are considered serious climate plans. According to the report, only five companies' commitments even partially align with the Paris Agreement on one criteria, setting absolute targets that cover the oil and gas they produce and sell. Only three companies expect to drop their production by 2030, and not a single one of those companies anticipate production cuts that are even close to that needed for 1.5 degrees Celsius. No major oil and gas company has yet made a commitment to stop developing new fossil fuel projects. Six out of eight companies lack meaningful safeguards to protect human rights and indigenous people's rights, 
including free, prior and informed consent, and two do not have any policy. Five of the companies have not set an explicit end date for oil and gas extraction and long-term production phase-out plants aligned with the 1.5 degrees Celsius, while three have insufficient plants for the same. In August 2021, IPCC or the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change again highlighted the critical importance of stopping global heating below 1.5 degrees Celsius. In the same year, the International Energy Agency had said that there is no room for new fossil fuel expansion beyond fields and mines already under development. In March 2022, researchers at the Tyndall Center found that in order to preserve even a 50-50 chance of keeping warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius, we need immediate and deep cuts in production of all fossil fuels. With oil and gas production ending in all nations by no later than 2050 and in the wealthiest nations by 2034. Despite all the alarms, these big oil and gas companies are continuing to search for new fields and continuing to put forward new projects for investment. The climate pledges and plans of these eight global corporations are grossly insufficient. The government and companies must act before it is too late as we are already witnessing some of the most extreme weather conditions in many parts of the world. In such times, we are hearing of the industry trying to stall plastic ban. Ahead of the announced plastic ban by the union government that is expected to come into effect on July 1st, the beverage manufacturer Parley Argo, which owns brands like Fruity, Appy, Fizz and Bailey, has urged the government to postpone the ban by six months. The brand claims that technological changes are required for a smooth transition to paper or PLA straws. PLA straws are positioned as biodegradable straws made from plants that can break down in environment, but in fact need very specific conditions to compost. Parley says that the current available capacity to provide a replacement of plastic straws with PLA straws or paper straws by a local Indian manufacturer is 13 lakh straws per day as opposed to the actual requirement of approximately 60 lakh straws per day. And the hasty ban will negatively impact the industry and overall businesses of numerous players in the fast-moving consumer goods and beverage segment. This move of Parley's is a clear delaying tactic and displays the industry's lack of willingness to contribute towards ending plastic pollution. In doing so, they have admitted to adding 219 crore plastic straws to the local ecosystems every year, leaving the local governments and plants and animals to deal with this pollution and its impact. Further, the ban was announced by the Central Pollution Control Board on 4th February 2022. By July 1st, the brand would have had five months to adapt, innovate and plan the shift away from the plastic straws. Yet, they are asking for another six months. While it is true that the ban was announced in February this year, India has long been discussing and implementing plastic bans. The 2019 Plastic Waste Management Rules advanced a two-year plan to phase out all multi-layered plastics used in packaging. The clause was diluted in 2018, however, with an amendment that made it effectively toothless. In the last decade, 22 states and union territories have imposed complete or partial bans on plastic carry bags. In 2019, an act called Ban on Single-Use Plastic Act was introduced in the Parliament. In this context, the July 1st plastic ban is already grossly inadequate 
as it doesn't ban plastic packaging, which is the largest contributor to plastic pollution, but instead restricts itself to single-use plastic used in balloons, flags, candy, straw, and cutlery. Even so, brands like Parley and others are unwilling to compromise on any percentage of their profit to accommodate any pro-environment and pro-health move by the government. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more news and analysis, head to our website www.senfar.org and keep listening to Yumi and the Economy. Mm-hmm.